So I've been reading about this uh, drone situation in Ukraine. Uh, apparently drones have been playing a massive role in what's going on over there. And I'm not talking about drones. I'm not, I'm not talking about your DJI type drones. Hmm. Although those have actually been a part of it. Consumer drones that have been fitted up, kitted up. We talked about it on this show in the past. You had, what was it? Like a pen cap or something that was acting or, or was it? Some sort of, like, hack in order to... Oh, no, it was a bottle cap to cover the fuel tank on a consumer drone that had been converted into some sort of spy drone. Yeah, very DIY. Very DIY. Yeah. And drone experts were kind of making fun of the fact, well, I'm talking about the real deal drones. I'm talking about military drones that on the Ukrainian side had been apparently quite effective in the early days of conflict. Uh as a, a kind of assault on military vehicles on the Russian side. Now, many of those drones were donated to Ukraine via Turkey. Uh, let me just look up the name. Turkish-designed Bayraktar TB2 drones. And they were credited in the early days of the conflict with eviscerating Putin's tanks and armor and that's what they look like i mean it, it it looks like a it's like an aircraft to be honest like a like a whole one whole aircraft minus a pilot mm. they're big very big and uh, apparently recently russian forces on the ground have gotten better at detecting them and taking them down now the reason that's a big deal like you're saying well it's a it's a drone. If something's going to get shot down, there's no person in it, right? You're remote in controlling it, but they're so expensive and limited that once the opposing force becomes proficient at eliminating them, you got to rethink that strategy because it's not going to be economically vi viable for an extended period of time. Uh, experts told Insider that the, the drone wonder weapons are becoming increasingly ineffective because Russia has improved its defense systems and is downing and jamming many of these drones. Uh, getting back to the cost of these things, they're around $1 to $2 million each. Every time you have one of these downed, one or two million dollars out the wallet exits the wallet mm. so it's not going to be sustainable now they've received around 50 of these drones uh from this turkish arms company that makes them since the invasion began turkey i guess uh an ally here in in this case for uh, ukraine but they're gonna have to change their tactics now that these things are being so easily detected and strategies change, and as warfare continues, that's what's going to happen. Someone's going to make one move, another one's going to make an, uh, another move. Uh, in the meantime, the U.S. said that they plan on selling an even more advanced drone, the General Atomics MQ-1C Great Eagle armed drone with even greater 
capabilities. By the way, I said that the 50 previous drones were donated. I'm not sure on that. They, they received them. I don't know what type of deals were made, if at all. Uh, but either way, they ended up there. Uh, those new drones, the General Atomics MQ-1C Gray Eagle armed drone, those babies are $10 million each. $10 million each. Now, these ones are a lot bigger. The thing about these is that they're apparently not as quick as like a, a aircraft, like a fighter jet. They fly a little bit lower, and that's what makes them particularly susceptible to anti-aircraft machine gun fire and so forth. And so the rumor is now that uh, Ukraine's going to get out of this like drone fighting business and, and actually ask for fighter jets instead. So that's a little development, little update on some of the tactics. You can see there you got a, a Ukrainian serviceman shooting a Russian drone with an assault rifle. Just drone uh, targets. It goes that low, eh? Yeah, reachable just from plain old machine gun fire. So the, maybe the future of, uh, of warfare, we're still leaning on some of these traditional methods because the drone warfare not quite to the point where it's untouchable uh, via traditional defense systems. Shifting gears a little bit, you may recall this story about this Rotterdam Bridge. Uh, this was the story of Jeff Bezos's mega yacht. Mega's probably an understatement. It is like a half a billion dollar yacht, 430 million euros. Uh, it was built in the Netherlands and was too big to travel out of there, which is a problem when you're trying to receive your ship elsewhere. They have this legendary bridge there, De Hef, and... At first, they're like, no big deal. We'll just dismantle it. Get your, we'll get your half a billion dollar yacht out of here that you bought, that you purchased from us. We'll get it out of here. Don't worry about it. It's 127 meters long, by the way. There was a backlash that took place. The public there said, this uh, bridge, which, by the way, built, what, 100 years ago, give or take? 95-year-old bridge. Uh, historic. They're like, hey, billionaire sir, a little bit risky to be taking down our historic uh, landmark here and just like it's no big deal going to rebuild it. You screw something up, maybe there's no replacement for history at that. I mean, it's one thing if you're trying to rebuild it after a natural disaster or something, but just to get the, the yacht out, people were pissed. And so now the leader of this project, the builder of this ship, has said, we're not going to do it anymore. We're, uh, we're not going to take the bridge down. Rotterdam project leader Marcel Walraven said in February that it was impractical to move the incomplete ship under the bridge and then finish it elsewhere, opting instead to remove the middle section of the bridge and then reassemble it. Oh, this was originally, that was originally the plan. 
from an economic perspective and maintaining employment, the municipality considers this a very important project. So he's saying, hey, what about all the people who are employed building this thing? He's saying, uh, this isn't all downside. We got half a billy coming into this town here where we build this shit for Mr. Bezos. Uh, I understand the industry is good for the local economy, but I don't see this as a problem. Many super yachts were built and will be built that all fit under the bridge. It's fine that there is also money to be made with the dismantling, but in my opinion, it's not only money that counts. So they abandoned the plan to take down the bridge. Although in this update, there is absolutely no statement about what they are going to do. Undecided. Uh, apparently it's not feasible to to have the ship in, move past in pieces. So what are they going to do? Airlift? What are they going to do? Well, I don't know. What? Get a bunch of, of those uh, $10 million drones. Yeah. Amazon delivery drones. They all crash. Yeah, you go up over a bridge. I don't know. Uh, speaking of Jeff Bezos, sticking with Jeff Bezos, he's uh, got some words for Biden, I guess. Okay. Calls out Joe. Well, if you're on Fox Business, they're going to say he calls out Joe Biden because you're on Fox Business. Right. But I guess he kind of did. Straight misdirection or deep misunderstanding? I don't know if you've been following this gas price thing, but like, it's all about gas prices right now. Have you bought any gas recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're damn right you have. All time high. You're damn H- right you H- have. H- yeah, I, I listen. It's one of those things that affects everybody. It's like the weather. Although, if I'm talking to a person who owns a Tesla, I kind of I'm like, wait a sec, no, you might. Well, maybe you're not affected. I mean, most people around here have a Tesla. They still have another gas car or something like that. A lot of people, so. Mm-hmm. People are still just, there's a general awareness. You drive past these signs. It's an indicator. Inflation. You yeah. can't avoid these topics regardless. Um, but anyway, uh, Biden put a tweet out. I guess he was, well, I'll just read it. My message to the companies running gas stations uh, <laughs> and setting prices at the pump. This is a time of war and global peril. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product. And do it now. Wow. That was Biden's tweet. Very direct. And do it now. And he says, uh, to reflect the cost you're paying for the product. So I assume he's saying to sell it at cost? Like no profit? Like just mm-hmm. give up profits completely? Well, Bezos replied, ouch, period. This is also on Twitter, publicly replied. Inflation is far too important a problem for the White House to keep making statements like this. It's either straight ahead misdirection or a deep misunderstanding of basic market dynamics. He's saying this is more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's saying, I run Amazon. It's harder. You can't just turn down the... Now, I mean, misdirection, like... He's almost implying there, and I know he gave the two options, but he's implying that the oversimplification could serve him well politically in that people can stop blaming him for gas prices. It's become just such a topic. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to point the finger at somebody when they see the price tag after they've done put the pump back. Mm -hmm. 
They see the price tag. They want to point at somebody. Bezos is like, don't point at me. Biden's like, don't point at me. Uh, Exxon Mobil executives like, don't point at me. Everybody's got somebody to blame, right? It's nice how they talk to each other. The dynamics on Twitter. It's all, what is that called? Uh, quote tweets. Mm. It's all quote tweets. Uh, it's not the first time actually that he's criticized uh, Biden either. So billionaires are becoming more politically involved, opinionated. Uh, Elon goes at Biden often. Bezos now going at Biden uh, relatively often. Um, what else did I want to say about this? Yes, so there were a couple of other people who had followed up. I clicked on the original tweet. There was a, many people who had agreed with... Oh, here we go. Yeah, there's a follow-up. They understand, understandably want to muddy the topic. They know inflation hurts the neediest most. You know, unions aren't causing inflation, and neither are wealthy people. He went into a little bit more depth on the how inflation occurs and how complicated a topic it actually is, and it's not any uh, one thing specifically. But the, it is an interesting conversation around who it does hurt, and you and I have talked about this before. It's like, if you've got plenty of money, are you really paying attention to gas prices as much as somebody who is barely paying their bills? Like that person driving around to work and whatever else and just sees less in the account at the end of the month, they are for sure much more affected as the representation, the the share of the overall income for that month is more heavily represented in gas prices or inflation elsewhere at the supermarket and so forth. It all trickles down. So... Definitely a complicated topic, but Be Bezos and uh, Biden seem to be divided on that. Here's a here's one way to curb your inflation costs. People are starting to grow more of their own food. Nice. Fruits and vegetables cut the cost of living. It's, it's actually, if you can get a small piece of land, it's actually pretty cheap, other than a little bit of time, mm. to just grow your own stuff. I don't know if you ever grew anything. I'm, I am I, right now. Well, go ahead then. Um, just a couple of herbs. Oh, okay. Rosemary, thyme, basil. Nice. Yeah. Uh, nice. So the, what, they're, what they're talking about here is even if you're in an urban environment, often there would be a community garden. You can get a little piece of it. Oh, okay. Uh, for those that don't know, you can harvest radishes in just four weeks. Tomatoes are 10 to 12. When I was a youngster, actually... Uh, I grew up in like a, a rural setting early in my life and uh, actually my parents grew tomatoes and so I would eat the tomatoes like fruit right off the vine. I would just bite, mm -hmm. bite into tomatoes and it's a different experience, a tomato like that. Many will never know because they're in the supermarket and you know, it's they're not, all beefed up. I don't know what's going on in there. <laughs> Who knows what's going on in the supermarket? Uh, but yeah, the people in Manhattan and California, and they started out with house plants, and then they're like, "I can do this." Uh, they say it costs uh, even even if you do it indoors with the hydroponics, they're saying it costs a few bucks a month, and all of a sudden, what do you got? Zucchinis and tomatoes and things. Uh, you might have some expenses if you want to do 
some extra nutrients and stuff, you want to become real serious about it. But mm -hmm. it certainly is going to be a savings over uh, going into the supermarket. Here's an example. James, who's 37, saves around 50 bucks a week growing his own food. And he still buys some things, but he grows 10 kilograms of potatoes and three kilos of tomatoes, which lasts the family for two months. Wow. Only takes about an hour after work to maintain the allotment. Um, and he's saying the little plot, the tiny little plot, you see a picture of it there, 45 bucks a year. Uh, and that includes your water costs. So I don't know. That's a beautiful thing. Well, it's kind of nice, isn't it? It you, is. You yeah. grow the food, the fruits of your labor. You heard you that know, term before? Yep. I mean, they usually, it's, it's almost exclusively ap applied to the money that you earn, but this is so direct and possibly fulfilling, maybe more fulfilling. I don't know. I think you can also grow and uh, trade, barter with other community members. We're going way back, aren't we? Uh-huh. You got to go backwards to go forwards. Is that right, Will? Yeah. Maybe that's the case. It comes a melting pot. I don't know, but... You get started with the herbs, and you're already there. And next thing you go to the tomato. I'm curious. I want I want to see the tomato from you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd like you to bring me a tomato. I'll get it started. Okay, beautiful. Uh, apparently, uh, Drake was trending this morning. Number one, actually, when I looked for past the, I don't know what the period was, six, eight hours, something. Uh, he joined the Backstreet Boys to sing, I want it that way. And... Uh, they're Enjoy. still doing concerts? You're damn right they're doing concerts, man. Everybody's about nostalgia right now. Okay. Everybody's trying to relive the glory days of their lives when there was no uh, Bezos-Biden gas price argument. Uh-huh. When that wasn't going on, it was, I won't hear that away. Um... That's, a, that's all I can remember, actually. Oh, okay. but, but there's more of it going on. But what was interesting about this clip is Drake goes up there, and you know Drake. He's, he does a little singing here and there. Mm -hmm. He talked to the crowd a little bit, and then they kind of, they were giving him the leeway. They were giving him some room to um, you know, have as much of the song as he wanted, uh -huh. but he kept giving it back to the crowd. And so I don't know if there was a rehearsal. This may have been impromptu. Well, uh, he, he didn't know the lyrics? No, he knew the lyrics, but it was... It, maybe he underestimated what it takes to be a Backstreet Boy. It's possible. Oh, wow. I don't know, Will. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, he went up there, and I'm sure they're, they, they're not bothered by it. You can see uh, one of the Backstreet Boys has the full uh, Blue Jays outfit on. You appeal to the local crowd. Okay, yeah. When you come to Toronto. Weren't you supposed to be at this concert, Will? <laughs> um, I wouldn't mind going. Mm. It's like nostalgic, I guess. That's what it is. It's a time period. Yeah, all of a sudden it's uh, 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know when that song came out, but it was something over there. He, his mic was hot. He definitely was singing a little bit, and uh, um, good for him. He's living it up. Mm -hmm. He's a Backstreet Boy for a day. Who doesn't want to be a Backstreet Boy for a day, Will? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Elon Musk met with the Pope. I'm sure you saw this. You don't miss any of this type of thing. Yeah. 
and it produced uh, an interesting photograph, didn't it? I mean, an interesting photo came of this meeting. You have Elon on the left, a little bit of space. So no one can be near the Pope? Is that how it works? The hey, man, don't ask me for Pope rules. I don't know Pope rules. I just, I like the room that they're in. Uh, the the circular painting back there. I don't know. There's something, there's something going on in this room. There's something going on in this photo. Okay, yeah. It's It's posed, but it's also... How many takes? Not many. I think it's a one-take wonder. Uh, where is this room? It doesn't feel like a church. It feels kind of like an office and a church all in one. Floors are a bit upgraded. Pope's outfit, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Everybody, else in, everybody else in a suit. Yeah. Uh, the distances are interesting. The spacing is interesting. Uh Elon by himself, Pope, and then kids on the other side. Uh-huh. And the kids are all exactly the same height. Yes. Which... Just dress well, relatively the same, I guess. Right? There's ties involved. Some of them mixed it up with the brown shoes on the one. These Dark things... Colors. I'm captivated by these things. Yeah. A little bit of Elon in each of them. Is it uh, a bit liminal? Well, the room is for yeah, sure. I, I mean, the room is is uh, well. We'll get there as the as today progresses. But you know, the conspiracy theorists they go wild with this Elon meeting the Pope. What's going on here? Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I one thing I don't mind is hanging out with the kids. You yeah. don't see a lot of it, and not that you have to. You don't have to show me that. You know, keep it to yourself, whatever. But uh, he's he's. Uh, Traveling around with the kids. That's good. Go meet the Pope. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have anything? Just you, a regular Sunday. Do you have anything you want to say about this photo? Um, anything you're feeling? Like, what is the overall emotion you're feeling here as you see this? I think it looks uh, a bit awkward. Yes. Based on the things that you pointed out. Yes. The spacing is what gets me. Mm-hmm. And also the high ceiling of the room. It's mm-hmm. very uh, weird. It's a, it's a huge ceiling, but very square. No, no cathedral style in here. It's also crooked, the photograph. The window is small. The drapes are enormous. Mm-hmm. Is the child on the far right, is he celebrating? Is that like a, like a fist in the air? <laughs> and then the one guy is obviously like by far the most professional. No, no, no. To, 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 the guy on his own. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm over here on my own. Look at the posture. An angle. Anyway, I look into this stuff way too much. Let's move on to the next. Uh, here is another um, amazing thing found on Reddit. This is a clip. I guess it went viral. I didn't know anything about this. It is a kind of a behind-the-scenes split screen on a green screen. And it's sort of showcasing how technology plays a role in the modern creation of artistic projects. Like you can play a bit of it. And what you'll see here is the on the top is obviously the individual on the green screen, the actor, and then the world that can be created in an, in a relatively tiny space mm. through creative thinking. Uh, 
imagination software. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is all made in Blender, and it's all made by one person. Wow. Who is funded via Patreon, and this turned into an entire short film project. And but like you see the way that they created an elevator because you're limited for space on the green screen, so you you create a vertical space. You go down the imaginary elevator, pay the imaginary vendor, engage with the futuristic world, all drawn in there. Uh, how, how you. Go ahead, Will. What makes this so immersive, it's very well done, I think, because of the lighting. They have the lighting just right. Like mm. it, it, Everything kind of makes sense in reflecting of the actress. Yeah. The red light and, you know. It's got to be one of the toughest parts to make it seem realistic. And I watched, so I watched a bit of the movie. Some some people got mad in the in the Reddit thread. They're like, "This is what's wrong with movies. Is like everything is green screen now." But uh, the clip, I guess, went more viral than the place it was pulled from. Mm-hmm. Somebody had merged together the behind the scenes and the and the uh, right uh, actual output. But I figured let's give it a shout out because it's really cool. Uh, Ian Hubert or Hubert. Episode one, Salad Mug, Dynamo Dream, actually a series that he kept improving. You can click on the next tab, actually, Will, to to show it off. Yeah, this is it here. And it's a 21-minute short film, futuristic short film, uh, three years in the making and funded via Patreon. And it's... It's a After Effects and all 3D work in Blender, which is free software. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of amazing what can be accomplished. And and then when you start to think about it in that sense, you go, okay, well, what other m- mechanism would this individual have to create a world? Yeah. In the absence of a green screen software, I mean, the budget would just be astronomical to try to create these environments in reality and so when you look at it as uh you try to imagine the constraints and say okay i'm looking for a path to tell a story it happens in the future and so forth you start to really see where technology unlocks those opportunities Mm. not in the marvel way not in the uh, you know what i'm saying here will on this on the short film like lower budget way Mm -hmm. now granted can you get it out to the world? It has 3 million views on YouTube. Can you get it out there? Because those marketing machines will make sure you see everything Marvel ever does. Yes. Well, we're going to pump some views into this, right? Well, yeah, I mean, a couple, yeah. a handful. But, you, you you know, it's 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 just amazing to th- see three years of work condensed down. And when I found out that Blender was a free software as well, it, just, it all became very interesting to me. But um, you can see he actually did a talk for Blender over there. Ian Hubert. Look at that. World building in Blender. Cool. Yeah, one man's work. It's uh, quite impressive. A real undertaking. You want to take a break? Yeah, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back. A couple more things to talk about. Let's go. This episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. Find a local doctor, primary care doctor, specialist, dermatologist, etc. Find one online. One that's good. 
uh, one that's been reviewed by a number of people. We're doing everything online in 2022. Why shouldn't healthcare benefit from the ease of use that the internet can bring? Well, that's what goes on over here. Primary care, dentist, etc. as mentioned. And as you can see, some examples there, actual star ratings for professionals that you might uh, get yourself a booking for. And if you look, it's all listed right there. You can see the openings, you see the uh, location you can travel to, and you have the recent reviews that are right there. So you can book an appointment for free. You can check your insurance and carrier plan, and you can do the entire thing on the internet in the comfort of your own home. You might, you might have been putting off getting yourself checked up, and now you don't have to because it's easier than ever thanks to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Its mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting a delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with a few taps. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. Find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Go to ZocDoc.com slash later and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash later. ZocDoc.com slash later. Go check it out. We're also sponsored by ExpressVPN. This is a VPN that absolutely works. Uh, the number one trusted leader in VPN, VPN of choice around here. And, you know, what's the benefits? Well, how about streaming whatever content you want from whatever region you want and doing so in a speedy way through a premium VPN? You go on there and select any country. I mean, well, not anyone, but there's a lot of countries on there to choose from. And it's supported on pretty much every platform you might be using from Mac, PC, well, 94 countries. It's a lot of countries, Will. Mm. Mac, PC, iPhone, so iOS, Android. Uh, you can even install it right on your router, so everything that connects through that router is uh, going to be happening through that VPN. Get yourself some privacy, nobody snooping in on you, and unlock that global content that you really want. It's ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that prevents your phone carrier from being able to see the sites you visit and sell it off to third parties. All it takes is one tap of a button and your network data gets encrypted and rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers for ultimate privacy. Not only does it shield your web browsing, ExpressVPN protects all of your network data so you can stay private even when you're using your favorite apps. When your phone carrier tracks you, that's a gross invasion of privacy. You can either keep letting them cash in on you or visit expressvpn.com slash later to get the same VPN we use. Take back your online privacy today and use our link to get three extra months free. That's expressvpn.com slash later. expressvpn.com slash later. Yeah, next up we have... Uh... A pretty crazy, like this is a unfortunate but wild uh, clip that took place. This was um, a mix, a miss, a Michigan, a mix again, a Michigan air show jet truck. That's a truck that's powered by a jet engine to reach 
insane speed, speeds faster than aircraft. And uh, that's what it looks like. It's called, it was called the shockwave. And there's an image of it back in 2018. It would travel around to different air shows, put on a demonstration and race planes. And check out the size of the flame spitting out the back. I mean, it is just wild. Well, people were out there in Michigan uh, watching the show. This thing, did I say it goes up to 300 miles an hour? 300, 300 miles per hour. Wow. Should race a F1 car. In a straight line. Yeah. Uh, but it's not racing anything because it, uh, I mean, it exploded during this race. And uh, you got a clip here. You can check it out. So everyone's recording. You can see the flames lit. Now the planes, they get a little head start here or they sort of line up with one another. They're already in the air. You can see them. They're upside down, by the way, the planes. And then the truck comes in to race them. And you can see it is just flying uh, in this straightaway. You see the little parachute come out. You see some flame. And then this confusing thing happens at the end where you, you saw some flames already. You see how this goes, Will? There's like some other explosion over on the left. Is that a parachute? There was a parachute. It didn't look to do anything. Slid off the track. Massive explosion. People know something's wrong. The smoke is pouring. But apparently what happened was there was a uh, a pyrotechnics display that was supposed to happen at the very end of the run. And that was what sort of that smoke that had already been occurring there. But at the same time, the truck appears to have exploded all sort of in one go. Mm. But people didn't uh, immediately recognize, myself included, when I watched the clip, I'm like, wait, it looks like there's already flames happening over there before the truck even gets there. Right. Uh, But sure enough, the truck did explode. And you get this eerie message coming over the intercom at the show saying, everybody remain calm. Emergency crews are on their way over. Enjoy the remainder of the show. And you know when you hear that voice, that like intentionally calm voice, you're like, oh, crap. Something bad happened here. So, sorry, there's another explosion, right? Yeah. Yeah, over on the left. Yeah. Right there. It's already exploding. It was supposed to be a pyrotechnics display. I don't think it was supposed to look like that either. So there were two accidents. It kind of looks like it to me. I don't know what that was. Was that supposed to just be, like, I think it was supposed to be some kind of fireworks, but it it looks to have failed as well. I mean, it's all very uh, confusing and eerie, but, uh, and unfortunate. This is like a legendary truck that goes from show to show, and um, uh, the driver, the owner, mm. I guess, is no longer uh with us and neither is the truck and it's it's one of those things like this is a high risk type of profession for sure but same time you know there's lots of checks and balances and uh safety measures and things that go into place as well but um yeah i guess the shockwave is no more what a wild clip uh, this one, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you've seen it. I assume that you've seen it. The time capsule Burger King. This was trending. No, you didn't see it. Was it yesterday? Uh, I think it was uh, trending yesterday, day before, maybe. But I did not see. No. The entire world was talking about it, including okay. Drake and the Backstreet Boys. 
okay. on stage. They're like, before we get into I want it that way, let's talk about the time capsule Burger King. Uh, apparently, uh, the, in, in a, inside of a mall, I think it's in Delaware, uh, somebody opened a door. Door was left open. Door, door was left open. And uh, somebody looked behind that door. And what they found was a perfectly preserved Burger King from 2009, which had a decor which was probably nine years older than that. So basically what you got was like a year 2000 uh, maybe even earlier, preserved decor. I mean, I'm talking about the soda vent uh, machines. Look at the wallpaper in there. You see the neon beverages light up uh, sign there in front of the mirror and the cabinetry. They believe that it opened in 1987, actually. Okay, so it might be original decor from 1987. Oh, my goodness. And I know you love this image right oh, here. Oh, yeah. And look at the floor. You remember this flooring over here? Uh-huh, yeah. Which was, I don't know, is it meant to look like brick or parquet wood flooring, but it's tile. It was such a weird, those tones as well. You have that kind of teal and then that, what would you even call that purple? It's like, like plum. A, plum or something. Lavender? Yeah. Like a light lavender? That's being too kind. Okay. It's being way too kind. And of course, you got the drop ceiling. With, with definitely not enough lighting. What's weird is the whole story. So somebody posted the clip on social media and it blew up. This is in Concord Mall. And they believe it to be the oldest still intact Burger King. Because, you know, they go and get renovated, these things. Mm -hmm. uh, so a tour was uploaded on social media. Went viral on Twitter, Reddit, and so forth. And apparently... It w the reason that the door was left open is because somebody would go in there to water the plants. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what? what? Um, There's no light in here. Hang on a second. Let me just make sure I'm 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 right on this. Uh, where did I read that? It's a five thousand square foot. It kind of feels like it closed yesterday. When you look in the trash here, they didn't empty the trash on the last day. <laughs> As well as decade-old garbage, a branded bag containing French fries, which looked suspiciously edible when you peeked inside. Um, booths, banquet seating, drink stations in the kitchen area, all still in place. A beautiful oh, relic of the American past. Uh, yeah, I, did I make that part up? Well, there's plants in here. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but are those real plants? I don't think they're real, right? They're indoors. It is actually still being used by a morning cleaning crew. They run a hose through the vacancy and water plants throughout the mall. Oh, okay. It's a vacant spot in the mall that is no longer anything. But okay. they use it as a way to get a hose from one side to the other. Mm. It's a place to run a hose through to water plants that are in the actual existing mall that's still operational. I see. There you go. Not watering those. Those, Yeah, they'd be dead. Those fake plants at the front there that you're pointing at. <laughs> Do we get a shot of the burger? Uh, I don't think so. No. 
No. It looks edible. I want to. Those see. chairs. And I mean, it's got all the pieces that you would want. That's why I figured you would have seen it, Will. But anyway, I, don't worry. I'll find these things for you. So okay, you never miss you. out on uh, abandoned, mysterious, and hidden liminal spaces. Burger okay. King. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is the last one. This is a. I saw this post. The Taraja people in Indonesia periodically dig up their ancestors, oh. dress them in new clothes uh, to show love and respect for the deceased. <laughs> and they would put hats, and I mean, in this case, it looks like a cigarette. And and I was curious. I'm like, wow, is that a co- like a common practice? To what extent? Uh, what is this? What is the uh, motivator there? Or just how does it all work? I mean, obviously, I guess I understand the motivator. Uh, but then I, so I find, I find this article on NPR. The dead live with their loved ones on this Indonesian island. This is like a legendary thing ever, that people know about. People, tourists will go there to experience this. And the people don't mind, apparently. I mean, it's according to quotes in this, in this article. Uh, what happens is death is very important. Death, but burial, uh, fu- the funeral, very important ritual uh, for these people in of southern Sulawesi in Indonesia. And in many cases, what happens is they want to have the best funeral possible. And they might not have the money at the time to do it. They uh, might want to save up for that exit passage, that moment, that big moment. They, they look at it as like the most important moment in anyone's life. So what they'll do is use like a, a substance like formaldehyde to actually preserve the loved one's body. Sure. In preparation of this event in which there's going to be all kinds of activities going on. Mm. Uh, And that's the thing that tourists will travel to. To experience this kind of massive funeral celebration, I suppose. Mm. There would be the slaughtering of animals that would take place over here there would be as you can see they would commission statues to be made of the individual who has passed on Uh, and when a baby dies the body is buried in a hole carved out in the trunk of a tree so that the two may grow together very interesting practices over here uh if you scroll down a little bit more, you can see an image of what the event would would look like. You can see like a, a cattle. Uh, scroll down a little bit further. They're still waiting for the burial here. They, yeah, scroll down to the next image here. Uh, so you can see the cattle in the center. You can see tourists in the background. And you might have, uh, at first, like that was my thought. I was like, are the people cool with that? They want the they let the tourists come with the cameras and the camcorders and yeah. such. This is a bit. I mean, this is sacred, right? Very sacred. But here's the quote: "We are happy that many foreigners have come. It means we can share our sadness with many people, and it shows respect for my uncle." Approximately a hundred tourists 
showed up for this particular uh, uh, burial or funeral ceremony in this uh, in this case. But they, they, like I said, it's almost it's like they save up. It's like a uh, like a wedding scenario, sort of. And in order to do that, that means that they end up living, can live with their dead for extended periods. And then in some cases, like the previous post, yes, it seems completely legit that, that uh, loved ones could be exhumed to uh, show respect. And, and in many cases, they would put fancy sunglasses on them that they still have uh, an appearance and uh, so forth, or even a New York Yankees hat. Uh, so yes, uh, n- n- not debunking Reddit on this one. This is this is absolutely a thing, and there's a uh, a, a pretty amazing fabric of uh, existence and ritual and such out there in the world. Celebration of life, celebration of death. It's interesting, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh. It's a big part of life, yet in some cultures we choose to ignore it as much as possible, brush it off as much as possible. But you wonder in the the presence or in the celebration of death, how that might change the way you live if you're in a culture that doesn't sweep it away, but instead it's... Embrace it. Makes it such a key component of life might wow. change some things. Mm-hmm. Interesting take. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see you soon.